It is a Tuesday night. That means it's time once again for some Tide Talk right here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, joined as always by my cohort there at BamaOnline.com, Mr. Charlie Potter, the Alabama beat reporter for BOL. We are both fresh from Columbia, South Carolina, where over the weekend, the Alabama Crimson Tide improved to 3-0, courtesy of a 47-23 win over those pesky Gamecocks of South Carolina. SEC opener for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Charlie, as we bring you in here, uh, we already did our grades. We did those for you on Sunday night. Uh, We offered up some marks for the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, in that win over USC. Uh, We both made it back, right? Now, I think we both took a little bit different paths coming back, though, Charlie. I think Charlie was the wiser of us and, and came back Sunday. Uh, I kind of went for it Saturday night as we parted ways there in that uh, in that press box, Charlie, at williams Price Stadium. Yeah, I, I don't know what time I would have gotten back had I left on Saturday. Um, it's kind of creepy because I looked around and there was nobody else in the press box. I don't even know if there's anybody <laughs> in the stadium beside the, the cops that were locking up. So I... I got out of there. I took that as a sign of maybe you need to go home. And um, no, it was it was a good trip. Um, this is my first trip to Columbia. Um, I, I thought it was a, a pretty good college town, probably middle of the pack. Same goes for the stadium. But uh, I think the the environment, the way they do sandstorm and everything, it was it was definitely interesting. Yeah, and no one tailgates on asphalt like the good fans of South Carolina <laughs> there on those fairgrounds. Uh, just uh, takes it up to another level of heat. Uh, in the month of September, but yeah, it was a good trip. And, um, yeah, that is a creepy feeling though. You're right. I've done that before where you're the last person out of the press box. It almost feels like the shining or something, you know, like you're in that hotel by yourself and, uh, you're not quite sure what's going to happen. And then you go to the elevator and you think, oh my gosh, what if they close down the elevators already? And you're always happy, right? A little bit of relief when that, that button lights up on that elevator and you're able to sort of escape the facility there. Yeah, and especially there because um, when we were trying to go down to the field into the post-game interview situation, um, the line for the, the elevators was backed up. I think they had kind of held it a little bit long at the end for the assistant coaches to go down. They always do that at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, I walked around the corner expecting to be a handful of people and there was 20 or 30 people waiting on the elevator. So that's a stressful situation. There's a there's a staircase right across the hall from the elevators up there at the press box at williams Bryce Stadium. And um, nobody was taking that. So I asked some people that look like they, um, you know, cover the team on a daily basis, like, how long would it take me to take the stairs? And they just kind of laughed. So I'm glad the elevator worked for sure. Both instances. Yeah, that's one of the press boxes in the SEC, kind of like Tennessee, except Tennessee is in another stratosphere compared to just about anywhere else, where the press box sits atop the upper level, the upper deck. You know, it makes you appreciate Bryant-Denny Stadium setup, doesn't it, and some other places uh, that we go to. Uh, Texas A&M coming up is similar to that, right? Uh, yeah. you're, you're literally – you know, it feels like you're feels like you're on a Southwest flight flying over the stadium, looking down, watching the game in some of these places. And uh, Texas A&M, definitely one of those. Tennessee, one of those. South Carolina, maybe not to that extent because it's it's not as is is high up, um, you know, where the, the press box comes into play there. But uh, similar type of setup. Great people there, by the way, at South Carolina. I, everyone I encountered uh, from the parking shuttle 
people to the sports information people to the uh, will call people, you name it. Uh, just a, a really great group of folks over there at the University of South Carolina. With that game in our wake, Charlie, it's on to USM, in the words of Bill Belichick. Uh, we won't get too much into breaking down uh, Southern Mississippi here on, on Tide Talk. Uh, USM is 2-1, and one, coming off a nice win over the weekend on Saturday at Troy, a shootout with the Troy Trojans. Both teams threw for over 500 yards in the game. That's about as much as I'll tell you tonight about Southern Mississippi, uh, but it, it, it really is. It, it's about Alabama. Uh, Charlie, it's about some of those injury situations. We heard from Nick Saban on Monday. We both went out to the media viewing periods for Tuesday's practice. A little different setup, too, right, in terms of the practice plan to start the week. Yeah, and it's it's not uncommon that, you know, three or four games in, especially when they're playing a, a non-conference opponent that isn't from a Power 5 conference, that Saban gives them Monday off, um, you know, give them a little bit of time to recover, because I think everybody knows that Alabama's playing these afternoon games. Um, you know, they haven't had a night game so far, and they, they don't have one on the schedule yet. So uh, they're going to be playing the heat of the day. And uh, it's hot in Tuscaloosa. Today's practice, I looked at my phone uh, when I was driving at my practice report, and it was 96 degrees. So I think just to limit um, you know, these guys and not wear them down is really key. So they didn't practice yesterday, and today was the first day that we saw them out there. And um, you know, the big news from today was that Terrell Lewis wasn't on the practice field, but I think that's not very big news because that's pretty much just maintenance on him, you know, with the outside linebackers, we've seen Alabama kind of take things easy with him and Anthony Jennings. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that while he did leave the game on Saturday, he was able to come back in after riding a stationary bike a little bit and being uh, evaluated by the training staff. And I talked to him after the game, he came up for interviews, which is always a good sign for an injured player. And he said he just kind of banged his knee up a little bit. He kind of fell on it a little bit stiff legged. It almost looked like he hyperextended it, but I think that was pushing it to, to call it that. And he said he's fine, and um, I think it's just a situation where you have a player that's coming off a serious knee injury, and they just try to you know limit his reps and practice as much as possible to keep him fresh. And we've seen now the fact that they kept the guys off the field Monday. They're trying to do that with everyone. And uh, other than that, um, it's pretty much business as usual and everything we expected to see out there. Yeah, of course, LeBron Ray, that wasn't a surprise. Um, not to see him out there, uh, I guess, on Tuesday, that was – uh, announced by Nick Saban both after the game and then again at his Monday news conference that the expectation, at least for the immediate future, is that this defensive front for Alabama will be without the junior defensive end. With that, Charlie, we were out there Tuesday. I couldn't really make out anything definitive in terms of what's next, whether it's going to be Justin Aboyby. That's kind of the connect the dots choice, and we did see him, I guess, Paired with DJ Dale a little bit during drill work on Tuesday, maybe Fedarian Mathis. I think the bottom line is, though, it, it's it's still going to take a, a combination of guys. I mean, we can talk about the two starting defensive ends, but you know they like to rotate what three, four guys at, at, at that spot, right? 
Yeah, they do. Um, you know, obviously, Raekwon Davis and LeBron Ray are your top two players, but we've seen a lot of Fidarian Mathis through the first three games, and he's played pretty well. Um, you know, whenever Justin Boydby was sidelined by that foot injury, um, we saw a lot of Byron Young, another true freshman. And so I think that'll continue as well, especially with LeBron Ray out. And, you know, with Ray's situation, you know, Nick Saban said that he's for sure going to miss this game and they're going to do some further evaluation on his foot. And um, it was undetermined right now how long he would be out. But, you know, Ray tweeted uh, tonight, tonight being Tuesday night, that, um, you know, he had surgery. He thanked everyone for their prayers and the people that had reached out. And um, he promised that he'll come back stronger from this. And that was the quote from the tweet. But, you know, surgery, you never really want to hear that, especially um, with something that's not really uh, like an ankle. They do the cleanup surgery with the ankle, and some guys can come back pretty quickly from that. We've seen Alabama players do that. But with it being a foot and you hear surgery, you got to think it's got to be a broken bone. Again, that's just me inferring things. But um, this is a situation where he's probably going to miss uh, a good amount of time, and we're going to see a lot of these young players in that rotation. They're going to have to step up. I think, yeah, I'm with you. Just looking at what we saw at practice, um, I saw a lot of defensive tackle, defensive end combos, and if you were just to kind of fill in the, the gaps and, and try to figure out what they would look like with a full line, you would say, yeah, it's going to be DJ Dale in the middle with Justin Aboyby on his right and then Raekwon Davis on his left. Again, that's without seeing you know, a full uh, you know um, trio out there, and um, it makes sense. Justin Aboyby's behind LeBron Ray on the depth chart, but as we know, we've seen with the offensive line especially, just because they're behind somebody at a certain spot doesn't mean they're the first guy off the bench, but I think Aboyby would probably be the guy to start there, but they're going to need a lot of these young guys to step up in LeBron Ray's absence. Yeah, and as much as they can use Mathis at tackle, nose tackle, and in, I mean, there's a good chance that Fedarian Mathis, even if he doesn't start, when you look at his snap count at the end of games coming up here, uh, again, assuming post-surgery that LeBron Ray is out, obviously, for an extended period of time, Fedarian Mathis may be getting the equivalent of starter snaps coming up here in the, in, in the, in the, in the upcoming games, I would think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we've seen a lot of him. Like I said, it's just you look out there and you just kind of see 48 uh, on the field and he's making plays. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that you're know, going into spring ball with Quentin Williams leaving a year early and leaving a hole in the middle of that defense. He's a guy that you know, when we were doing our earlier projections that we thought could maybe step in at that uh, defensive tackle position, the nose guard spot. Uh, so I think he's a guy that they planned on factoring into the equation pretty well and uh yeah it wouldn't shock me all to see him play a ton uh, i think they feel good about justin Aboyby, but he's only had one game under his belt um limited by that injury so it's going to take a committee and a, and a group effort but you know we'll see what what happens yeah and i guess you also have to take into consideration a boy b like ray before him uh coming off a foot injury you don't want to stress that to the point of perhaps re-aggravating his situation. There's different things you have to be mindful of when you start distributing reps uh, at some positions where uh, you're trying to juggle a situation based on injuries, both current and prior, uh, for that matter. Now, Charlie, let's talk about the linebacker level, specifically the inside linebackers. Uh, we saw, what, three or four guys at the inside linebacker spots in Columbia that sort of left you wondering going into this week and at Tuesday's practice, you know, what that, what those pairings might look like. 
I, I don't know if we were able to deduct a ton from what we saw out there Tuesday, but I guess in what we did see, at least for me, I didn't notice anything uh, a whole lot different, I guess, from what we saw going into uh, into into South Carolina. Do you, do you think that's still a, a, a spot, though, potentially where as the week goes on, you could see some different combinations? I think we could. Um, you know, we saw the the first two pairings out there were Shane Lee uh, and Christian Harris, and that's the the starting duo they've had the the first three weeks of the season. But in the South Carolina game, um, you know, the inside linebackers struggled a bit. Uh, Shane Lee had to leave the game a couple times because he lost his helmet early on. So we saw Mark L. Benton as the backup Mike linebacker. And then, you know, Nick Saban chose to, to kind of pull Christian Harris uh, in the second half when replacing him with Ali Caho at the Will linebacker spot. He gave Harris another series and then played Caho uh, the rest of the way. And, um, you know, Caho struggled as well. Uh, you look at the way that South Carolina was playing and, and the way that he was playing uh, on defense, he kind of overran some things. Uh, he was actually encouraged in that last touchdown as well. So, um, you know, the competition, I guess the window uh, there is still open. But, um, you know, Christian Harris is a guy that we saw with the first group today, and we'll see if that changes tomorrow. I don't know if it will. Um, but I think for these young guys, that was their first, you know, real – um, raucous environment. Um, you know, they had to deal with the crowd noise and um, deal with an offense that with a talented quarterback, I was really impressed with Ron Helinski and the way that he played and, and what they were doing. Um, you know, they had a lot thrown at them and, and they kind of ran into some adversity. So I think these next two weeks and, and the bye week to follow after that, the first of two will be really big for these two linebackers to continue to, to learn the defense, to, to be in charge of it, but also settle down whenever things get too fast for them. And, uh, you could see that was kind of the case on Saturday, and you know, we'll see what happens on on this Saturday uh, whenever they play Southern Miss because you know this is an offense. I know you, you know you weren't going to talk a lot about them, but you know, we just mentioned they put up 500 passing yards in their last game, sure. so they have some capabilities. So it's going to be another test for these young guys. Yeah, a, a couple of really good wide receivers and in, in Watkins and Allman for Southern Miss that combined against Troy on Saturday. 389 receiving yards between two guys. Uh, you know, Henry Ruggs III and Devontae Smith had pretty good games themselves uh, against South Carolina. Uh, Watkins and Allman for Southern Miss, uh, nearly 400 receiving yards between two guys uh, down there at Troy. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a challenge uh, from that standpoint, I think, once again. And that ties into the secondary. Uh, we did see a sort of different look from Alabama on the back end uh, against the Gamecocks. It, it wasn't that much of a surprise because throughout the practice week, we had seen Shaheem Carter working at the star position more. We had seen Jordan Battle working in the dime more, uh, which was a carryover from New Mexico State. Uh, kind of what's the expectation, Charlie, going into this one Saturday now? Yeah, we saw a little bit of the dime today at practice, and it was the same. Um, you had Battle at safety and Shaheem Carter at star. And I think that's a group they feel good about. Um, you know, the, the lingering play for me that sticks out in the South Carolina game is the touchdown pass to Shai Smith. I think it was 31 yards. And I, I'm not really sure how you know, Shaheem Carter or Jordan Battle or both of them just both hugging the ball didn't come down with that. But that got through their hands and ended up a touchdown for the Gamecocks. But, um, you know, I think Jordan Battle is a guy that – this, this coaching staff, Nick Saban especially, feels really good about. Uh, he's had a lot of 
positive things to say about Jordan Battle the times he's been asked about him. And, um, you know, Shaheem Carter is someone that they consider another coach out there on the field as one of the most intelligent players on the entire team. So um, I, I think I, I, we know that Trayvon Diggs, Patrick Sertan, Xavier McKinney, and now Jared Maiden are the guys that are going to be out there because Jared Maiden's been a constant uh, throughout all this mixing and matching of defensive backs. But uh, I think with the promise and the upside and everything they've seen from Jordan Battle, they're going to stick with him. And then, you know, facing some teams that are able to throw the ball around, I think a guy like Shaheen Carter is beneficial to have out there. The, the guy that's left out of this whole equation, though, is Josh Job. And, um, you know, Nick Saban's had a lot of comments about players uh, playing with a lot of emotion. And um, he he mentioned Job is that uh, with that on last week's um, teleconference, and he kind of carried that over into his his radio show on Thursday. And it's just a situation where he kind of lets things get to him too much, and that was really apparent in that New Mexico State game. Um, you know, he had the penalty um, on Jalen Waddle's uh, punt return, and that just kind of stuck in his head. You could see it affected his play. So. They can't have that out there on the field, which is why we've seen things shake up a little bit. And I think that's why we'll continue to see that. I think he was in the doghouse a little bit for some of the things he did. And, um, yeah, with this week coming up and what we've seen on the practice field so far, I think the secondary will kind of carry over into this week and be the same as what we saw on Saturday. Joe probably helped extricate himself a little bit from said doghouse with his play on special teams uh, Saturday against South Carolina. He was one of those guys – that just did an outstanding job in kickoff coverage. Jalen Moody was among those uh, that did a nice job setting the tone from the outset in that area of the contest. So, you know, that can get you back into the mix at a positional uh, from a positional standpoint, as much as anything, if your attitude is right and you're into it and you're covering kicks and uh, you know, you're bringing it in that area of the game that can get you, where you need to be or return you to where you want to be if you're uh, Josh Job. Uh, Charlie, let's move to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the offensive line has been a point of emphasis uh, among the fan base in terms of concerns for this team, uh, but we did see a strong performance from Landon Dickerson against South Carolina. He is rewarded for that effort with SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week honors on Tuesday, or I guess Monday it was. Uh, same for Tua Tagovailoa with his latest sort of historic performance behind center. But let's let's start with that offensive line. We did see the five to start the South Carolina game that we saw to start the season opener uh, against Duke uh, coming out of South Carolina, uh, kind of projecting that group. You think it's status quo for the time being and kind of interesting, too, right, in that we could see an offensive lineman working maybe some more at tight end in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think this group is what we'll see for at least one more week. This will be game four of the season. So this is the last game that Alabama is without Deontay Brown. And he's a guy that and he looked to be doing some things today. Um, he was maybe third or fourth. It was kind of hard to tell. They were mixing people in so much at left guard. And um, I think that he's going to be someone that definitely is a part of the equation once he's eligible. But yeah, I mean, it's the same group we saw in the South Carolina game today on the practice field, which isn't that much of a surprise. I don't think they're just going to go and, and upheave the whole thing whenever they still have another week to go without a potential starter. But uh, it had its struggles. The offensive line did in the, in the, the last game. Um, 
you, you saw they gave up two sacks. Uh, they were able to kind of brush off from that uh, early on and played better. Um, you know, after the game, Nick Saban said that he thought they did a good job and uh, that Tua had some protection for the most part. One of the sacks was uh, when, when the running backs kind of whiffed on the guys, so that wasn't the offensive line's fault. And then when they did run the football, which is something we didn't see much of at all uh, on Saturday, that he thought they did a fairly good job uh, in that regard. They just obviously didn't run the ball very much. So I think from an offensive line perspective, it's still a work in progress. I'll be interested to see what happens this time next week, what we're talking about, how it looks with Deontay Brown back. Um, you know, maybe uh, if, if Chris Owens has a has a rough go of things again, maybe Darian Dalcourt is the guy that gets in the mix. So they have options. That's something we've talked about uh, all offseason, preseason, beginning of the season long, is that they have some some pieces they can move around to find that five, that five they feel comfortable about. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, you mentioned the – the one offensive lineman that's changed numbers, I uh, noticed it before the game this past weekend, is that Kendall Randolph is in number 85. And, um, yeah, I thought we might see a situation where they put um, an extra lineman out there, kind of the way they've been using Matt Womack. That never actually happened. But putting him in 85 makes him, uh, you know, able to go out for a pass and kind of fill in the same role a guy like Brandon Green uh, filled a few years ago. So that was really interesting. He was still in it today at practice. That was something I was keeping an eye on. So we'll see if that kind of plays its way into the offense a little bit. And uh, he's a guy, though, that, you know, before he hadn't really been in the mix and he's been with the second team offensive line. So he's doing some nice things. So from a health perspective, I guess you would say the offense right now in pretty good shape, right? And especially with Deontay Brown coming back after this week in terms of his eligibility, that gives you a little bit of leeway so that if you want to take a guy like Kendall Randolph, maybe work him more as a extra tight end or a short yardage guy in those situations, you're kind of freed up to do that. Um, and, and most importantly, obviously, Tuatanga Vailoa, uh, looks to be in, in really good shape physically. The receivers, the running backs. Um, interesting, though, I guess, against South Carolina, I guess it was Keelan Robinson that was third into the game, right? At running back, I guess, fourth if you, you count Slade Bolden, Wildcat quarterback <laughs> now. But uh, Keelan Robinson there uh, working behind those first two backs. Yeah, that was pretty interesting because we've seen Jerome Ford be the number three guy for most of the year. But um, you know, Nick Saban is, is every time he's mentioned Keelan Robinson's name, he's talked about how he has juice and he kind of brings something to the table that none of the other other backs do. And, and they've had some struggles um, and he hasn't been pleased with the way they've been running the ball. Um, yeah, the the inconsistencies, the struggles, if you will, for the the run game and kind of go hand in hand with the offensive line and the running backs. And when the offensive line is able to open up those holes, the running backs have maybe been taking the wrong direction. So uh, a guy like Keelan Robinson, um, yeah, he he adds a different dimension. Um, you know, he's a lot quicker, kind of that kind of a little bit of scat back. I don't want to say he's a better receiver because we all saw what Najee Harris was able to do on Saturday. And I think that's an area where they can continue to explore and to get him out in space. And whenever he is uh, in space, uh, we can see what he can do with the football. And it's it's really impressive. So, um, yeah, the offense is healthy. Um, I, I'm still – I wonder now when we've talked about the, the offensive line and the running backs and how 
Uh, it's kind of been a work in progress with the run game. What a guy like Trey Sanders would have looked like in this offense just yeah. because um, you know, he's kind of a mixture of that Keelan Robinson, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson uh, kind of look. And uh, that's that's really the only guy, though, uh, that's still out. Emil Ekewer, the reserve uh, offensive lineman, has been doing a lot more in practice. I think he played in his past game as well. So uh, not quite a snake bit on that side of the football as they are on defense, that's for sure. A little bit snake bit when it comes to kicking the football still, though, <laughs> right? And you knew we had to close with this. Uh it's Tide Talk on the Built by Bama online podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would do so. Maybe leave a review or rating there uh, while you're in the process of that as well. We got to talk about it. Will Reichard misses from 37 yards out, uh, hits an upright on an extra point. Looked like he had a little bit of the lefts going uh, at Williams Bryce Stadium on Saturday. I still remain comfortable with him uh, especially kicking at Bryant Denny Stadium because it doesn't seem like he misses at Bryant Denny Stadium if he's if he's had issues so far it's been uh, away from Tuscaloosa uh, but probably more so the punting situation I know that was brought up to Nick Saban during his Monday news conference uh, and Nick had some pretty interesting uh, comments in, in answer to that question about whether it could be Will Reichard whether it could continue to be scoured along or whether what the hell just go for it on fourth downs moving forward. What do you think, Charlie? Yeah, that, that was an interesting comment because he said they have they don't have anybody to punt besides one of those two guys, or they could go for it every down or every fourth down. And uh, that's interesting because you know back in uh, the preseason we saw that um, a guy that punted for them last year, Mike Bernier, chose to return after entering the transfer portal, and he's still practicing and everything like that, but he doesn't seem to be. Uh, in the equation, which, uh, you know, you hate to laugh, but at, at this point, you kind of read the writing on the wall from Nick Saban. But you know, there's no doubt that the punt needs to improve. Um, you know, Skyler DeLong um, they just had a pitiful punt on Saturday, and uh, I'm not sure how you try him back out there after that. Um, I think Will Riker would probably get an opportunity to punt if Alabama even punts at all um, on Saturday. And if they do, though, that's going to be – um, a really key point in the game because I know we talked about those receivers and one of those receivers is um, Southern Miss's punt and kickoff returner and he's a guy that's really explosive. I think he has two kickoff returns for a touchdown and one punt return for a touchdown. He ranks first nationally in kickoff returns and second in punt returns. So that's something they're going to have to be cognizant of. And uh, I guess if you're punting the ball about 14 yards every time, you don't have to worry about that. But that's something they want to see improve. And I think, um, you know, Reichard's capable. I think he can get the job done. And they're, they're certainly confident in him in the, the kicking game as well. The, the field goals and the extra points, I think that he has the confidence from Nick Saban. Uh, and his teammates and uh, yeah if he's back at Bryant Denny it seems like that's where uh, he's on and they're going to be there in the next two weeks so he should be able to to write the ship I guess you could say so there you go Charlie Potter joining me as we uh, do a little tide talk on a Tuesday night anything else Charlie as we put a wrap on this baby uh no there's a lot of news in the NFL when it comes to Alabama another big week for week two and then you see Mika Fitzpatrick uh, traded to the, the Steelers. Uh, yes. I think that was really interesting. But other than that, um, no, I mean, I think we covered it. It's been it's been hectic, but I think we covered all the bases. Yeah, I had a couple of guys out for those New York Jets in that front seven, right? C.J. Mosley and Quinnen Williams both were out for Monday night football against the Cleveland Browns of Mac Wilson. And what about Freddie Kitchens? 
his first win as an NFL head coach in that game. Got a little Tosh LaPoy screen time on that one, too. Not sure if you saw Tosh over there. I think Tosh likes coaching Miles Garrett. What do you think, Charlie? I think anybody would like coaching Miles Garrett. <laughs> I think he, you and me. I think yeah. you and me could coach Miles Garrett. What do you think? I think so. He, well, he, not only is he a world class talent, but he just seems like a really eccentric guy, and the the things he's interested in, I think, would be entertaining to to follow and to keep up with as well. So, so yeah, I think with that and some of the young talent they have on defense, uh, that could be a pretty pretty good gig. Yeah. Yeah, Miles struggles to stay on side sometimes, but look, you'll give up the occasional five yarder, maybe even a roughing the passer if you're going to get, you know, two, three, four sacks a game out of the guy. He's just absolutely dominant from that defensive end position. Well, that's going to do it, Charlie. As always, appreciate the time. No problem. Looking forward to having some breakfast in Brian Denny this weekend. Yeah, there we go. We'll uh, we'll be back at it with Alabama and Southern Miss. That game, of course, Saturday, that's an 11 a.m. kickoff from Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, So we've got a lot of coverage for you throughout the remainder of the week. Keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. Charlie going to have those practice reports. Going to have a really cool feature, I believe, coming up for you, Uh, one that I think you'll enjoy in the next few days. So you'll want to keep your eyes peeled for that one from Charlie. Uh, you got Kirk McNair doing his thing. I'm going to have some stuff for you as well at the website and the recruiting coverage with Hank Sal, Tim Watts, Deanon McMillan with the photos and videos. We got you covered, man. Top to bottom, front to back, you name it, at BamaOnline.com. That's it for Tide Talk on a Tuesday night on the Built by Bama Online podcast. Thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you again real soon.